Je souhaite que vous aimez mes chansons Et dansez quand vous l'écoutez Et je souhaite que vous me comprendez Mais je sais, ce n'est pas vrai Hello there, and welcome back to Cast and Wag. Sorry about missing last week, everybody. My name is Jordan D. White, and I and Scape, my cat, who's one of my co-hosts, were very ill last week. We didn't feel good at all, so we took the week off. Um, sorry about that, everybody. But we are back, and this is going to be the last of our really, really super jam-packed shows, as I announced last week, because this is the last time we're going to have three old radio serials from my, uh, my old radio show on it. And after this, we're going to have two, plus the new stuff. So... Let's jump right into it because, like I said, the jam-packed, et cetera, et cetera, and introduce my co-host. As I said, my co-host, Scape White, my cat, was also ill last week. Scape, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm still a bit of a horse. I know, you're a little cat. Dad, that's a dumb joke. But I mean that I could kill a little horse or a big horse. That's not what you meant. Uh, what, was it, what, was I, what, what was I talking about then? You're sick. Yeah, my, uh, my throat. It's a rare horse. Yeah. And, of course, over here we have Mr. Frank Allen. Hello. And uh, it was, i got to say, very unprofessional of you not to do a show last week. What? Fra- Frank, no, I was sick and Scape was sick. But we would have, me and Rory could have done a show. Me and Rory uh, had our, we were fine. So we could have recorded yeah, it. Yeah, but it's my show. It's not really your show. You guys are my co-hosts, but it's my show, really. The shows are my shows. Even the show that you recorded, it's my show that you recorded. But I'm just saying it's unprofessional is all I'm saying. Because if, as a listener, someone is going to be listening every week and all of a sudden there's no show out of nowhere no show no there's no word up about why there's no show there just isn't a show look it, it only happens once like you know every four months or something that i don't put up a show and with no word i mean it's very rare that that happens usually i know ahead of time and a lot of times i've put in a little fill-in thing that's oh look all that is fine and that that's all the right thing to do what i'm saying is not putting anything like you just did totally unprofessional <sighs> Fine, good. Frank Allen, who is much more professional than me, even though he lost all his money and and is no longer the head of the company, that is named after him. So, you know, obviously he knows a lot more about being professional than I do. And lastly, we have Mr. Roy Sinjin, the professional extra historian. Yes, hello. Thank you for having me on the show, as always. Um, And thank you again for giving me so much advertisement from the last show. The last show, I did a bit of an extra historical reading on the show, and it did get me some publicity. So I do do very much appreciate that. And I hope that I will be able to continue to do every once in a while while, perhaps when my business lulls, do another reading on the show so that it can pick up again. Wait, last that reading you did for Frank actually got you business? That's shocking. I didn't I didn't think it's, it's actually shocking because it was a good reading and it was informative. No, it was a terrible reading. You you said you were going to be reassuring him. Well, first of all, I did. You know, I told you the thing about when he dies and also eventually the thing with everything in his head. It, 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 it was all very reassuring. This life he's in right now is much better than the one before. I don't think that's true. Oh, but you know what? Speaking of Frank Allen, we should get to our first segment of the show because we are so jam-packed, which is Asshole Watch. It's Asshole Watch. watching Frank Allen. Oh, yeah. Very good. Very soulful. Um, For this 
a watch update, we do have Mr. Frank Allen, of course, and Mr. Roy Sindian, who both have some interesting news for us. Frank, let's start with you. Um, my understanding is you did get a job. Let's let's hear about uh, it. Yeah, I, I did. So nobody has to worry about me anymore. I do have employment. Uh, I will be able to pay... Uh, you know, some some bills. Just some of them. Well, I'll be able to. I mean, I I can. It's it's a start. I will pay some bills. So, and I won't be. I won't be. I won't die. So people can rest assured. I did get a job. So everybody should be happy. Oh, that, yeah. But I, thank you. We're we're very happy to be reassured. But we want to know what kind of job you got. That's not important. Well, no, it's not important to the world. Obviously, I mean, you're not that significant of a person, really. But we want to know. We're curious, and I guess you could call us nosy. But yes, newsy's fan. Newsy's fan. Please tell us. I don't. Why you? I don't know why you need to know. Again, need. Yeah, we do need. We just want to. Yeah, know. just tell us what. Tell us what. Tell just. You're gonna tell us. Tell us. Just you do it. This round, you're gonna. Well, I, but if I don't, then yeah, I, but you're, you're gonna. gonna come on. You're gonna tell. All right. I got a job at a fast food restaurant, but it's a. It's possible that I could work my way up to a managerial position. I'm not in one right now, but they. They. If if it's a long term type thing, I could get to a managerial position. And for now, uh, I'm working directly, again, in customer service, which I like, over an intercom system through a drive-thru, which is nice. It, it utilizes my voice and my vocal training. And my vocal well, training is kind of a strong word. Well, I don't mean like, no, I didn't take a class. I mean training through in the same way that you can you can train yourself. If I do a lot of, you know, sit-ups and, and jogging, then I could say I'm training. Yeah, but it's not a professional training regime. No, but look, the point is I have voice talent, and it's being somewhat moderately utilized through a uh, drive through experience. Okay, well, do you want to say what restaurant? No. Look, absolutely not. Look, no. Well, we're going to find out. Sure, but then I, I'll tell you off the show, not on the show. No. That's that's kind of embarrassing. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for letting us know. So that's the Frank Allen part of Apple Watch. But now, Rory, you can update us on the Allen Industries part of Apple watch. Absolutely, absolutely correct. It looks like Allen Cable Television is all set to go live on March 30th. Uh, that's ACT is what they're calling it. And, and as I said, it stands for Allen Cable Televisions from Allen Industries, run by Franklin Allenton. I, 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 I can't believe he's getting it off the ground. Considering the amount of debt that the company was holding, I, I, I literally cannot believe that they are going to be able to get off the ground. I wouldn't have thought anyone with any, no matter how much business acumen someone had, I, I would not have believed that they could dig them out of the hole that that company had wound up all right, in. Alright, alright, I just you know, po point taken. You know, you've got it across. Yeah, I'm just, it's just, it's, it's it's really astounding. Franklin Allenton really turned it around. I, I don't know where he learned to run a business so well, but, you know, he did. And so at any rate, ACT will be on March 30th. And I, I don't know exactly, at this point, we don't know what type of broadcasting they're going to be doing, but we do know that that's the date they go live. We'll, we'll find out a bit, I'm sure, a bit more about the station and a bit more about the type of programming they have as we go forward. Wow, that's really amazing. That's really amazing. So I guess that's it for, for Apple Watch. We did cover both apples that we're talking about, both Frank and Franklin, so. Oh, well, I don't, can you not lump me, well, I don't understand why I have to be lumped in with him. Well, because he bought your company, you started a company and destroyed it, and he bought it, and I don't understand why, when he bought the company, why didn't that get you any money? Well, because I personally owed a lot of, I mean, it just absolved. Oh, okay, so I, it's, so it, it wiped out your debt, but you, yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah, basically I'm not going to be arrested for, and put in debtor's prison. We don't, I don't think we do that here. Right, but I'm not, it's not, the point is I, it wouldn't happen anyway, because I don't have the debt anymore personally, but I also don't have any of the assets 
anymore. Right. Well, that was, you did a really bad job. Yeah, thanks. Wonderful. Great. So now he's going to be on television and I'm just get insulted to my face. Wonderful. Well, it's not my fault. Anyway, the point is that's done. That's done with. Uh, but Rory, we wanted to hear a bit of news about you actually as well. Your mother, is she going through with this wedding? Is What's going on with this? Uh, yes, I did take the great pains to call and and talk to my mother. Um, she is going to marry Thomas Halver Edison, apparently, um, on August 15th. I, 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 I don't know that there's anything to be done about it, but that seems to be the case. I, I have not talked with Mr. Edison uh, since uh, hearing the news, but we'll see. So we're all going to go? We're going to go on August 15th, the, the, the group of us? We can pack up, ship ourselves off? Well, I, I, I don't know. I mean, perhaps, yes. Uh, uh, yeah, actually, I can, I can speak to that. As Thomas said in the letter, he is a friend of mine. I, he doesn't consult me on these decisions. But I have talked to him since you got that letter, and he, he did say he absolutely is willing to have the four of us flown out there. But just the, I mean, just the four of us? Can my wife come? Or? Oh, you know, that's a... I would imagine. I don't know. And uh, Boo? Well, I, you, I, I can give you his number. You can give him a call for the details. I mean, that's just detail stuff. But yeah, he definitely is serious about us flying out there and, and going to this wedding. It means, apparently, a lot to him. So he's not just leading my mother on? Well, I, I mean, I don't know that. I don't know what's inside of his heart. He didn't tell me all that much. He'd, I wouldn't call myself his confidant. I, I just know him. I don't trust this man, I, I must say. I really don't. I know he says he didn't invent lies, but he invented a lot of things. So, I'm sure lies slipped in there. Or if he didn't invent lies, then at least someone else invented them and he, you know, appropriated them. Because I, I, I seriously... I don't... I, this doesn't sound... This doesn't sit well with me. Well, we'll we'll find out. I mean, and we'll go to the wedding. It sounds like it'll be fun. I've, I've always wanted to go hang out in England for a while, so... Well, no, it's a lovely country, of course. Uh, I left it and became an American citizen because I like America more. So, you probably aren't, aren't missing much by not going. Well, I... I well, okay, but I still want to go, so too bad. At any rate, let's get right into the shows for now because, like I said, we do have a lot to get through. So, up first, we are going to have a wonderful episode of Guard Duty. This one does deal with good friends, Voodoo Lady, and Broadband, who we've seen together for only a moment before, so now we get to see what their friendship is actually like. Here we are, Guard Duty. The Earth Guard. The planet's most powerful heroes united in the common goal of protecting the innocent people of planet Earth and defending them from threats of all kinds. From the Guard Tower, their base of operations, they watch over the citizens and spring into action at any sign of danger. To that end, the Guard takes shifts monitoring events all over the globe. Sooner or later, they all have to take a shift of Guard Duty. This week, Voodoo Lady and Broadband in Being Nice. <laughs> so I said, I said, you think that's scary, Suspiria? You should see the stallion in the locker room. <laughs> oh, you could have. I did so. You should have seen the look on her face. She didn't know whether to punch me or kiss me before she knew what was happening. You gave her the old kiss <laughs> Oh, God. Remember that? I never laughed so hard in my life. Oh, Lord. Oh, that is too much. Uh, we have good times, voodoo lady. But no, uh, seriously, Claire, uh, how have you been? How's Sean? Sean? 
Oh, he's fine. Um, the practice is going well. Not as well as he'd like, of course. But he's been doing well for himself. Oh, uh, that's good. I remember back in medical school, he always... Oh, uh, good evening, Claire. Hey there, Doctor. Broadband? Uh, Doctor Fast, how are you, old friend? I need your help with an experiment. Hold this. Sure, but... What was that about? Who knows what that egomaniac is ever up to. Egomaniac? That's a bit harsh, isn't it? <laughs> you know that anti-grav belt he's been working on for the past, oh, forever? Well, I heard the only reason he never got it working was because he needed it to be broken because of some stupid time game. He was playing with another version of himself from the past. Oh, no, I'm sure that's not true. He wouldn't do that to you. He better hope it's not true, because if I find out he strapped that damn thing to me knowing full well I'd end up in orbit, he's going to have some bad juju heading his way, and I'm going to enjoy every second of it, the insufferable bastard. Come on, Claire, be nice. This is me being nice. You should hear me when I really cut loose. Honestly, is there no one on this team you like? I don't have to like them. They're not my friends, they're my colleagues. But surely you have a kind word for your colleagues. Oh, of course I do. We've got a real team full of winners here, absolutely. We've got the stallion leading the team by throwing little hissy fits until we do everything his way. Dr. Fast, who never ceases to impress with his ability to be right about everything all the time. Captain Oblivious, uh, I mean fantasy, who never has any idea what's going on. Mr. Fahrenheit, who knows exactly what's going on since it always revolves around how great he is. And our are two media darling lovebirds who can't stop making kissy faces since they got outed by a supervillain. Seriously, great team. And how about me? What about you? What's the witty little bob you use to skewer me? You? I don't... I wouldn't... Hello again, Claire. Guard duty going well? Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. Not working yet, Bob. Let me see that. Sure. Here, try again. But what is... See? Jerk. New consideration. I'd give him a schism a jink given half a chance. Oh, come on. The guy's a pompous jackass. He doesn't even stick around for a second to tell you what you're holding. That thing could be a pocket H-bomb for all you know. I just never really considered before, but if you're saying all these things about the guard to me, what do you say about me to them? You're paranoid. Is that what you tell them? I'm not paranoid. I'm just cautious. What, because all damaged broadband units self-destruct? I happen to be the victim of numerous attempts of corporate sabotage. I need to protect my proprietary design. That's not paranoia. That's well-advised preparedness. Where do you get off telling the others I'm paranoid anyway? Although I, I suppose a, a, a busybody like you always has to have something to say about everybody, don't they? Hmm? Okay. Busybody, there's a real zinger. Of course, I meant you were being paranoid just now, as in I don't talk about you. Well, how am I supposed to believe that? Because you're not a complete ass. You're a successful businessman who also devoted himself to protecting people. You're not a control freak who feels the need to tell everyone what to do all the time. You're not an egomaniac who thinks everything is about him. You're not a media whore who feels the need to flaunt her deviant lifestyle for attention. And you're not a doctor who thinks he knows everything better than anyone else. Actually, Claire, I'm every single one of those things. To some extent or other, can you really say you aren't? Look, it's simple, okay? You're an okay guy. Dr. Fast is an ass who has never been anything but condescending to everyone, showing off how he knows so much more than us, alright? Oh, I'm sorry to have offended you, Claire. What? Dr. Irving... I won't be a moment. One more adjustment. There. Well, that was classy on my part. 
I guess I left one out. What do you mean? One control freak, one self-centered jerk, one know-it-all doctor, one brainless moron, two shameless lesbos, one paranoid billionaire, and one backstabbing, mudslinging, first-class bitch. I would never call you that, Claire. But you didn't say I was wrong. Hang on. Brain frame, monitor three, sound up. I am in need of repairs. I know, brain frame, I know. Jack what is it? Jack. The former member of the Earth Guard defeated Tangent yet again last night. The villain had talked California Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger onto the ledge of a building, distracting him with a piece of particularly smelly cheese. The Jack managed to catch the governor before he stepped to his death, then proceeded to pummel the unprepared Tangent unconscious. Though the Jack ran off before the news crew got to the scene, Governor Schwarzenegger praised the hero. You know the only reason he can be Tangent, don't you? Don't start on the Jack 2 now. The boy has it hard enough. What? Oh, come on. You at least have to give me that the Jack is annoying. But if it wasn't for me, the boy would still be on the guard. He broke the strike. He knew the rules. But if I had pushed so hard for the strike... You know what? You're right. You do think everything is about you. Jack didn't want the strike. We forced it on him. He did what he thought was right. Tell he did what I think was right, and we kick him off the team for it. It sticks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you whip the robots back, too, or just your own? Oh, thank you very much for your information. I'm not just wringing my hands over this one. This time, there's something I can do about it. I'm making good. What do you mean? Wait, what they call a recruitment drive. Are you hero enough to join the Earth Guard? To stand side by side with the likes of the amazing Mr. Fahrenheit or the beautiful Peace Blossom? Can you do amazing things normal people can only dream about? Now is your chance to show your stuff if you've got the guts. Contact your city's Earth Guard office with your name, contact information, references, and amazing abilities. Unless you're too scared. Well, are you, punk? <laughs> and that is the official word from Earth Guard Press Secretary, Mr. Farron. Sound off, brain frame. What was Chuck thinking? I have no idea. To be totally honest, I've always... Bob? Broadband? What... Where did you go? Broadband to Voodoo Lady. Uh, you there? What the hell just happened? I'm, uh, I'm here with Dr. Fast. It seems that device was a remote teleportation lock. I'll, uh, be back as soon as I can. Sorry for the inconvenience. Whoop, hang on a minute. We're live where Mudman and the Ribs have shown up, destroying as much of the fossil record as they can. No sign of the creationist at this time, but we can only presume Mudman is you hear that? I shall do. I'll send out the so signal. Bring the horn. We'll do. Uh, Except like I'm still not cleared to fly. I know how to fly it. Oh, no um, thanks. It's not a problem. Let's go. The guard will be here any moment. Jordan D. White, with Michael D. Murkowski as the narrator, Derek McNish as Broadband, Devin White as Voodoo Lady, Daniel Schwartz as Dr. Fast, and Frank Allen as the newscaster, with theme song by Michael D. Murkowski.
Hello and welcome back to Cast in Wax. Jordan is just out of the room for a moment, but uh, guard duty did end, so I figured it would be time for me to introduce the next segment of the show, which is This Day in History. Well, that's the segment you host, so uh, shouldn't somebody else introduce it? Uh, well, no, I-, I wouldn't say so, no. I know more about it than anyone else does, so it, may- it would make more sense. Yeah, but then everybody's going to get sick of your voice. You introduce your part of the show most of the time. So, it, again, it makes perfect sense for the person who's knowledgeable about the topic to talk about and introduce the topic. Does it not, Frank? I'm just saying, if I introduce, we could swap, we could trade off. You want to trade off? Well, it's a possibility. I mean, I'll, look, look, I'll, I'll introduce, this is, uh, now we, we have time for this day in history, which is the part in which Rory Sinjin, uh, makes, makes stuff up about days in history. Yeah, see, that's not a fitting, that's not exactly a fitting, is it? Because it, there's more to it in that, it's extra historical. Look, I'm going to introduce mine. Well, I already did an introduction. It doesn't matter whether you did one or not, I didn't want it. Here's my introduction. Again, we missed a week last week, so I've taken both days in history and combined them for one joint where I am now in history. That summarizes both of them. Because it worked so well last time. It actually worked quite well last time. Thank you very much. So let's go right to it. Here's two days for this day in history last Monday and today. And where are they now in history that educates everyone? Hello, and welcome to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. Did you know that on February 23rd, 1997, Schindler's List was shown on NBC, the first network to broadcast a movie without commercial interruption? Ford Motor Company, which sponsored the broadcast, showed one commercial before and after the film. I don't care what anybody says. We're going to show naked breasts. We're going to show people being slaughtered. And by God, the American public's going to love it. Jews should be slaughtered all the time on television. It makes for great ratings. I'm telling you, Bob. But you know what really offends me about that movie? It's all the litter that's shown in Germany. Yeah, Jews strewn everywhere. Nobody's willing to pick them up. Dead bodies are, in fact, the most contagious and least sanitary version of litter. Yeah, they're incredibly unsafe. But all litter is dangerous and unsanitary, from wrappings of pizzas to plague-infested corpses. That's it. You two are the worst yes-men I've ever had on this board. Both of you, get out of my studios! Out of here! Out, out, out! Out of ABC! Security, remove their clearances! Get out, all of you! It's the worst Aww. yes man I've ever worked with! But uh, the world did benefit when they did show Shinder's List, as there was a uh, mass movement to stop throwing bodies on the side of the road. Uh, this is a message from WHRW Binghamton. Hello and welcome to This Day in History. My name is Rory Sinjin on WHRW Binghamton. On March 2nd, 1836, during the Texas Revolution, a convention of American Texans meets at Washington on the Brazos and declares the independence of Texas from Mexico, choosing David Burnett as provisional president and Sam Houston as commander-in-chief of all Texan forces. Let's hear it. I know I'm the new commander-in-chief of the Texas forces, but it's mighty hard to see where I'm going on this horse. You aren't telling no lies. I don't even know my name because I can't read my Dan Burn name tag. It's really tough. I'm not sure that we're going to be able to defeat the Mexicans. This'll be awful. Yes, it will. At least we'll be safe in the Alamo. (laughs) You guys, I have your glasses right here. They're ready. Who said that? If only we were capable of locating her. And the uh, Texan army did uh, just continue riding around the Texas desert with their guns firing until they had accidentally killed all Hispanic people in the area. You're listening to WHRW Binghamton. But don't touch that dial, partner. 
My name's Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. And sometime later, television executives decided to show a film about the Mexican-American War on television uncut without showing any commercials. This time, however, it did not go quite as well. The filmmakers did so much to glamorize the heroes of the Mexican-American War and, in fact, make it look like it was the right thing to do to not wear their glasses that society as a whole stopped wearing glasses. People were running around with no glasses on, assuming that whatever they would happen to do would turn out to be the right thing, and they weren't noticing that when they would throw their garbage away, it wouldn't necessarily go into the garbage can and would pile up as litter. Eventually, so many people who needed glasses were throwing so much litter out, the entire world became strewn with garbage, and they would trip over them, bust their heads open, and they would die, becoming part of the litter, because in fact, the other people wouldn't be able to tell that they were corpses, because they had their glasses off as well. They would rot and breed disease, and a plague came and wiped out all of humanity, all because of this terrible Mexican-American War movie that they had shown with no commercials. The point is, you should make sure to wear glasses if you have glasses, and when you throw out your litter, you should make sure that it goes into the proper receptacles and doesn't just land on the floor, whether it's a human body or not. My name is Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History? I'm Cast and Wax. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back from Guard Duty. Uh, I'm sorry. Now we, have... Jordan, we already did the Welcome Back from Guard Duty part. This is the Welcome Back from This Day in History and Where Are They Now in History. Oh, you listened to those? We, we Really? Yes. Frank and I did the introduction in between because we figured, you know... If you, you, you wouldn't, we didn't want to keep things waiting because it's a jam packed show. Well, how fast we record it doesn't really affect. I mean, well, we shouldn't really argue about this on the air, should we? Because jam packed. Right. So what was the day in history thing? Uh, it was a bunch of nonsense about Schindler's List and the Mexican American War and then a bridge between the two, which makes no sense. How did that work? It was a, it was a television show about the Mexican American War. Oh. It was it was did it was it funny? Did it? Well, it, no, it wasn't funny. Why would it be funny? Yeah. It was a lot of funny. Parts of it were funny. Parts of it were not. No, it's not. It's not funny. It's not a comedy. You do comedy shows. For example, actually, I will introduce the next segment of the show, which is a comedy show called Debatatorium, in which people make laughable arguments to make light of serious issues. No, wait. Okay, first of all, you didn't want my introduction, so I don't know why you get to introduce mine. Because you did one anyway. But I didn't do it fir- first. And and second of all, Debatatorium is not a joke show. Debatatorium is a serious show where we do serious issues and we settle them once. For all. Can you think of an example of where that happened? Yeah, here's an example right here. Debatatorium. Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to Debatatorium 2007. Uh, this is our third episode. We're still in the first round of debates, which means these are all new debaters every time trying to decide who moves on in the tournament of becoming Debatator of the Year. 2007. Uh, today we've got two new debaters ready to debate this hot button issue that we have right under our fingers. Uh, and let's meet the uh, two debaters here. Debater number one, please introduce yourself. I'm Rosencrantz. And I am Guildenstern. Okay, wait, hold on. Which one of you is debating? Uh, we're both debating, I think. Oh. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, that's... Okay, so you're like a like a team? Like, Are you a tag team or... I well, guess oh, I th- we never really quite worked it out with with uh, Rosencrantz here. You know we're we're fine. No, I thought I'm sorry. I thought you were Rosencrantz. So did I. I what? Oh well. Are you sure? Okay. No. But all right. Well, uh, this is okay. So what are your qualifications for uh, debating? We have a letter. Uh, which what does it say? Uh, you got it. I I thought you had it. I, I thought you had it. Oh. Okay. You have some sort of qualifications. Yes. Have you we been do. to school have, or anything? We have a or? letter. We've got it. Just oh, you've got it. No. We, we've got it. All right, hold on, hold on. Now, I think we have another debater. Let's get to your opponent here, please. Yes, hello, my name is Fauzia Featherbaum. I'm sorry, what? F- uh, Fauzia. Fauzia. Featherbaum. Featherbaum. Yes. And uh, who are you? I'm the assistant director of the British Association for Temporal Zoological Studies. Interesting. Well, uh, what does that mean? It means that we study zoological things temporarily. Tempor- temporarily? Temporarily. Meaning? Throughout time. Oh, 
Ever, like all like dinosaurs or something? Yes, various time zones, yes. Time zones? Yes. Like Eastern? As we yes. As well as epics or You mean eras? Eras, if you will. Epics like the Odyssey? No. Epochs. Oh. Epics. Thank you. Okay. Well, uh we've got two uh very well informed I hope debaters. Three I three debaters, but two sides to the debate. Uh we're of course, as everybody knows, debating uh whether or not we should continue space exploration. Uh and as everybody knows, uh, Rosencrantz and uh, Guildenstern believe that uh, space exploration is beneficial to our society, and uh, Miss Feathersbaum? Baum. Featherbaum? Yes. Believes that it is, uh, it is not something we should continue doing. Please tell us why we should stop sp- space exploration. It doesn't help us at all. Well, I'm sorry, what do you mean? Well, as far as I'm concerned, my, uh, my experience with space study has been, of course, zoological. We have been trying to find evidence of other uh, animal life forms uh, in space on various planets and various universes. Um, my studies with temporally, as I mentioned, temporally uh, with animals have proven that in the future there are plenty of animal species. They are all on our planet. They never come from another one. So, okay, I'm sorry. So you're saying, well, I mean, does that mean there definitely aren't? I mean, there might still be, right? No, that means there definitely are not. 100%. Absolutely. How as can, far as I'm concerned, yes. How do you know for sure? You can never know for sure, but my, my studies have shown that they are nowhere to be found within our solar system or any of the surrounding solar systems. I find it a waste of time to continue out to the other ones. What isn't, but how else will we get there unless we start? Unless we start? Okay, maybe that wasn't We've good... already started. Well, okay, but isn't there something else we can learn besides animals? <laughs> like what? Uh, I don't know, but, well, let's ask Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Why do you think we should keep exploring space? Well, to make to make our point right, quite simple, really, um, my dear buddy Rosencrantz and I, we, we've, we discussed this before. What? Go on. All right. Uh, we discussed this. Um, how can we not find any animals without going into space and not finding them? Yes, but the point is that now that we have the ability to see into the future as far as zoological studies are concerned and know that, and we don't have to anymore. Aha, but by seeing into the future, yes, we've already seen what we're going to do. Yes. And we're going to go to other planets and not find them. And no longer have to. No, but if we don't do it, we won't not find them. We've already not found them. No, we haven't. Yes, <laughs> we have. Because it's the future. But you're starting now. You don't start from back then. You start you now. We already know. No. Yes. I'm a little no. confused. <laughs> so am I. I, I okay. All right, Gildy. But did, did... Well, hold on. Have you seen the future? Yes. Did we go there? Yes. So let's keep going. Can, can I ask a question? Because, because we do we already, we already have. And it's useless. But it's too late. Well, it isn't useless now. It will be useless. Yeah, but it's already too late. I mean, if she the looked into the future... Not, we, it does not contribute to our knowledge of anything. Well, but it no, does. It, it contributes it, to it whether does. or not there are animals. And there aren't, so... So why do we keep going? Because we, because we already did. You said it yourself. I, I don't think you understand I, I, I've how got time a question. travel I've, I've works. I've got a question for you. Um, this is this is vital importance. You know who we are, right? Rosencrantz, Guildenstern. I'm aware. Are we dead in the future? Uh, are you animals? I only study animals that are not human, well, so I wouldn't know. Mr. Mr. Stern. Yes? Uh, I, no, wait, no, I think it, he's talking to you. No, I thought you were Guildenstern. Messrs. Mm-hmm. Stern and Rosencrantz. The yeah. point is, here, I think in the future everyone is dead. Oh, oh dear. Depends on how far in the future you're talking. Are we dead now? I, everyone I in this know. room is dead in the future. Yeah. Okay, we do have an expert on the line who I think does want to uh, weigh in on the subject. Yeah, this is uh, Dale from New York. Dale? Uh, thanks for calling. Yeah, I'm hearing you talk about um, exploring space. That's what we're talking about, yeah. And I have to say, I cannot explore space because I have totally run out of it. I look around everywhere, 
And it's full of okay, um, stuff. Like your apartment? Yeah. Uh. There's no more space at all. And do you There's have any animals? To- Is there any animals in your space? Oh, yeah. Uh. I try to get rid of them. Now- But they're there. Miss Featherbomb. Featherbomb. Featherbomb? Yes. Featherbomb? Yes. You hear what he said? Yes. There's animals in space. Are you yeah, in space? Yeah, I them. No, I'm out of space. There's outer, a little outer bit space. left. He's in outer space. Sir? Definite proof that you're wrong. So mm. where are you calling from? I'm calling from where I'm out of space. He said he was calling from New York. Yes, well, New York happens to be on Earth, so... Well, where's Earth? Look, nobody told me I'm on Earth in the last... I don't know when. Uh, I'm pretty sure Earth's in space. I think when we refer to outer space, we mean the space around Earth. We There's don't consider no being on Earth space. being in outer space. Isn't that an incredibly geocentric point of view? It's highly biased. Sure. It's incredibly biased. So? What do you think the Martians have to say about that? There are no Martians. How do you know? We haven't gone there yet. But we will. But we haven't. We've gone. Well, but if we've we, sent you don't there. seem to understand how this works. <laughs> Maybe you should come to the British Association for Temporal Zoological Studies and take a few courses and then talk to me again. Oh, you're like uh, college. Wait, are you trying to send Rosencrantz and Guildenstern to England? Sure. Well, I don't. We don't have time for that right now. England doesn't exist anyway. I don't mean anyway. right now. Oh, yeah. it, it doesn't exist. How can you go there? It's just a conspiracy of cartographers. Sure. It anyway, is. We actually. Uh, well, I'm, okay. I don't believe in it. Neither do I. We have this uh, expert saying that there is no space and that the space that there was now has animals in it. So that seems to go completely against what Miss Feather. Baum is saying. If you give him any credit for what he's saying. Well, yes, uh, I, look, I had a credit card. All right. And I don't anymore. But if you want to give me a credit, I'll take it because I kind of need cash. You know what and I think these I gentlemen do? Why don't you ask no, them? Well, no hold on. space. Hold on. Now, now gentlemen, uh, 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 debaters number one. Um, I think he's talking to you. No, both of no. you are debaters. All right. Uh, oh, the point is, I so we're Debaters? I thought we were I rosing. Uh, okay, I'm so are, confused. But you're both. Well, what I want to know is this: uh, leaving aside the the non-existence of space animals, is there something else we can learn from outer space? Well, yes, I'm sure. What we uh, we might actually find this mythological place that they call England. I mean, it, it it would make sense if it's not on Earth; it has to be somewhere else. I think. Well, I think we. Gildenkrantz has a point here. I think. Well, right, uh, what <laughs> said Gildenkrantz? I, I thought I thought I was Rosenstone. Rosenkrantz. No, okay. Who are you talking to? I thought what? there was... No, look, I know that, people that's... from England, so England, unfortunately, exists. It's a conspiracy. Exists. It, uh, what about... It doesn't really exist. There are people... Uh, we've had debaters on the show from England, Mr... Uh, well, I'm sorry, but and you've who been to- taken in by the conspiracy. Yeah, actually, who, wait a minute. Hold on. Uh, she says she's from England. Yes. yes. Hi. She's part British of the conspiracy. Exactly. Who she's told, not a cartographer. Who told you she's from England? She did. She did. See, <laughs> I, I'm even going to question, how can she have been to space with this British, uh, uh, you know, zoological temporal studies group if Britain doesn't exist. She's never been to space. Well, she says you've been in, she's been in the future where people have been to space. I mean, uh, regardless, her point I mean, is invalid. Yeah, I mean, because it rests on the whole premise that we do, in fact, go to space. We and do. the fact that she it comes from Britain, well, which she doesn't. Well, I mean, <laughs> setting aside the conspiracy, her argument itself is flawed. Okay. My brain hurts. Now, hold on. We do have another... No idea. We have another expert on here uh, who does want to speak to this issue, I believe. Yes, I am here to speak to these issues. Uh, say, who is this, please? I am Eurastus Putnam 2.5, Cyber Witch 
hunter extraordinary. Cyber witch hunter. Yes. Well, I suppose cyborg Puritan witch hunter. Okay. Is the Cy- technical term. Cyborg for it. witch hunter. Yes. Are you here to hunt a witch? Don't be ridiculous. Oh, okay. I'd be too busy witch hunting to talk to you. Then. I'm sorry. I was a I mean, little. I have only two basic functions: being an expert and hunting witches. Okay. You're an expert. Yes. Uh, can you do me a huge favor? Wait, that was you not one favor? of my two Could functions. You do one of us. Are you, all right. Can you use your expertise to do uh, do us a huge favor? Theoretically, does it involve witches? Well, no. But could you tell me who I am? Well, let me scan you. Uh, you are not a witch. Okay, that's good. Well, that's good actually, so far. Actually, that's, that's much less ambiguous than we were before. <laughs> All right, hold on now. Neither of you are witches, presumably, but... No, no, only I'm but not a witch. Hold on, hold on. Is he the cyborg or are the witches the cyborg? Hold on. We have to... He's going to yes. share some expertise, I think. Let me, let me clear this up for you. Going into space... Yeah. Inadvisable. Oh. Space is full of witches. Hold on. Are, are witches a form of animal life? May I clarify? If you wish. As I did before, that we're talking animals, not human. Witches are human? Witches are different from humans. They were originally humans. Then they joined Satan's army against God's church on Earth. Uh, but they're in space. Some of them, yes. A surprising number of them are in space currently. Well, how do they fight on Earth if they're in space? Well, they don't fight on Earth anymore. The great witch launching of 72 saw to that. Oh, so wait, hold on. so you're, uh, we got rid of witches by shooting them into space. We, sure, take all the credit, why y- don't you You did Alan? it, you did it. It was you? Was Not this? me personally, it was 1-8, but then he, you know, was programmed into obsolescence, and now I, 2-5, can take care of the rest of them. Now, how do they, uh, live in space? I think you're missing the point here. Oh. Witch hunter. Yeah. If it was my duty to say, propagate them, or oh. do nice things for them, I would have quite a different functional title. So you're afraid that if you tell us how they live in space, they'll use that knowledge to live in space. No. Most of them do not live in space. They die in space. Largely, yes. Because of you. I, I would say in that's part. probable. I've never seen them, but I would assume that if there were witches in space, they'd be turning things and other people and each other into animals, of which but there are none. You make an excellent point. Also not a witch. But we never clarified whether or not we were looking for living creatures off. Well, and, and, I might, and I might point out that you, you, you said that most of them are probably dead. That must mean that you must think that at least one or two are alive. Yes? Well, yes, the ones that are alive are, of course, the Grandis Maleficus, the Grand Witches, and generally have nothing better to do than to kick your ass personally. Right. So, so really... H- how are we going to be able to find them and burn them without exploring space? Or how are we going to be able to find where they are so that we can avoid them listen, without exploring space? Listen. Not only that, but how are we even able to get them off the planet without... Whoa, whoa. Shut your sin hole, not a witch and also not a witch. I like I that. I think he's talking to you. But, you know, he said you... But look. Heard. What? Both of you. Second. Things Ooh. that are currently in space. Dead witches and live witches eager to corrupt and annihilate human mortals, like yourselves. Dead witches are going to corrupt us. No. The other kind. Wait wait a second. I thought, how could she corrupt us? She said we're dead. No, she's not a witch. But she said we're dead. I I said that everyone's dead. Later. Yes, it does. I want to know if I'm dead or not. You're not dead right now. How else could you be here? Hold on. Hold on. No, no, no. Don't kill him. He's not a witch. No, he's just scanning. He's alive. I'm alive, so we're alive. No, I'm alive. Well, am I alive? You're not a witch. Listen, if you were dead, if you're dead, you wouldn't be around anymore. All right. So that's a good test. Are you sure? I'm positive. I don't think so. I know. Have you ever been dead? I've never not been around. How about that? I have to go hunt some witches, but it's been really nice being on your show, Frank Allen. Thank you. I've often thought that you do a great job of not encouraging witchcraft. Okay. Well, 
Thank you. I mean, I'm no Jack Chick, but I do my part. That's true. Now, I'm going to go lubricate and kill some witches. Could you tell Thank me you. one? Could you do one thing for me? If Does you ever it... find out who we are, could you come back and tell us? Please. As long as you're not witches, sure. I don't now, think we're witches. All right, actually, now, thank you thank you for calling. We do have one more expert, and then we're going to have to move to the <sighs> final. No, we, th- I'm sure this will be a very reasonable expert. Please, uh, final expert. Good evening, Frank. Hi. Who, uh, please introduce yourself to everyone. I am Chlamydia, Empress of the Galaxy. Um, I'm the sole ruler of the planet Thor. I'm sorry, what was the name of the planet? Thor. Thor like the Thunder God? Similar, it's spelled different. How's it spelled? Different. Okay. Uh, I happen to be an expert on space. I am one of the many space sluts that your uh, Captain Kirk of Earth has done the horizontal mambo with. I I see. Now, when you say has done, you mean in the future, because that's a future show. Well, obviously. Yeah. Speaking of which, more proof we go to the the space in the future, but let's move on. I didn't say we don't. I said we shouldn't. We have proof, though. Proof that we do. I'm not sure why you're protesting against it if it's already inevitable that we do go. Now, hold on. Once again, you don't understand how this works. Hold on. No, hold on. We have an expert who just called in. We want to hear what she has to say. I'd like to ask the expert a question. Please, go ahead. This is Captain Kirk of the Enterprise. You're not Captain Kirk of the Enterprise. No, I'm not Captain... I, I, I thought I was I should Gilden say Krenz. not. What? Now you you're Gilden Cranes? You, sir, no. I think that's Kirk and Captain sir. Kirk. Ask your question. Ask your question. <laughs> you're not helping. Anyway. Question. Anyway. All right. So this is the Enterprise. And the Enterprise, which had trouble with Tribbles, who are an animal from space. Therefore, there are animals in space. Indeed. Aha. Uh-huh. However, I, I must admit that I am uh, in favor of her side of this argument, oh. as there, there's been some great problems with space exploration, hence the trouble with Tribbles. You couldn't just hang up And then indeed, uh, this nasty rash that uh, I've received from Okay, well, captain. no, I... Oh, that's not pretty, but... Probably a little too much Oh, Captain, my Captain. Okay, so your argument is have we you, shouldn't... Have you tried aloe? Uh, aloe usually gets that. I think rash. you mean aloe. Aloe, yes. I, I think... I think Now, so your, your, your argument is we shouldn't go to space because uh, Captain Kirk will possibly, allegedly, spread disease. Yes, and also... There will be trouble with tribbles. That's true. Although it works out in the end. Well, okay. So what are your... Gentlemen, what is but your argument to that? If we have trouble with tribbles and we are spreading diseases to other creatures of space, that means that there are other creatures in space, thereby disproving the studies of I am far from a creature, young man. We're talking in about a general sense. Good, good point, though, Rosencrantz. But hold on. All right, all right. Rosencrantz. Listen, listen. I'm Gildenster. Listen, for the first part, creature does not mean animal. Animal is a very specific classification. For the second part, it's a TV show. Um, I'm sorry, this is not it's a radio show. You no, don't Captain insult. Kirk is from a TV show. What, what, are you, what are you even talking about? Really? Yes. Yes, darling. But he, or she met him. And and you're you're from a conspiracy. What's your point? I'm not from a conspiracy. You people are you're idiots. from a non-existent place. I mean, aside from you insulting the, the the holy Bible that is Star Trek, you're from a non-existent place. Just, how do you even know Star Trek? You're not even from a world with TV. Last I saw. What what is what are you t- what TV? He just said Star Trek. Haven't you ever read the Bible? That's not a Bible. It's Have a TV. You, read the, the second you can't read it. Well, I guess they probably do it a script book or something. What, we have a script? No, no, not here. Oh, okay. You clearly don't. Oh, my God. M- it All might right. tell us if we're alive or not. Now, hold on. We hope so. Now, hold on. We do have to... Uh, we, we need to start bringing this in, so we do have to do our final closing uh, arguments. So, Miss Featherbaum... 
Yes. Please uh, tell, wrap it up for us. Okay, look, it's very simple. In the future, animals contribute very largely to wiping out pretty much all forms of disease. If we go into space, we don't find any animals. We waste our time instead of researching them on Earth and finding those cures. Cures for? Cancer, AIDS, chlamydia. Like animal cancer? Hey. No, human. Oh, I thought you care about animals. I do. They help us very much. So you're just using the animals. You don't even care about the animals at all. I love them very much. We do this by humane means. Sounds like you're you're getting a benefit from them and they get nothing. They get plenty. Like I'm what? not going to divulge my secrets yet. It would be unladylike to explain the methods by which we cure cancer, but we do it. Mr. Cranston-Stern. Uh, which, which one? Bo- uh, both of you, please. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, she has just admitted that her, you know, little society of non-existent British people has seen not just this potential where we go into space and don't do this, but also this potential where we stay here and solve all these problems, which means that it's totally up for grabs. I mean, you can't say one way or another what's going on. You have absolutely no sound basis for saying anything. Well said, Rosengild. Shut up, Cranston Sounds like it's just a coin toss. Yeah. Um, yes, it'll probably come up heads. Well, uh, let me think about that. Um, <laughs> you know, I think you're right. I think it does. I think that we should continue to nobly explore space, because even if we find nothing, we have to find that nothing, right? No, wrong. No, we well, do. Otherwise, it's not found, and there could be something there. There well, could when, be something until we see nothing with our own eyes. Well, and you jerks are knee-deep in witches. Don't come crying to me. Well, that's your job. Dead. It's your job. <laughs> They're all dead anyway. We should expect you to take care of these witches. No, it's well, your job. Security, he put them sir. there so you wouldn't be harmed by he them, and now not... you're finding the harm. Yes, that's, that's the cheap way out. All right, all right. Now, we hold didn't on. kill them by hand. Look, we didn't ask you to shoot witches into space. You could have just killed them here, okay? The point is, we are going to keep going to space, and uh, Mr. Gildan, Gildenstern, Rosen, talking to you. Rosencrantz, no, all right, you guys have won. Both of you, uh, regardless of names, have won this debate. You, you will move on. Out our names? You will move Maybe on. Well, we go to space. When you come back, hopefully you'll know your, your own names and you can debate the next round of debating. I like that idea. Can you launch them into space? No, no. They can't go into space. We need them here. Wait, but, um, we might actually learn what our names are. Maybe someone out there knows. All right, but, but, and we, we could very much find out if we're dead or not because if everyone in space dies, we're dead. Hold on. No, true. Gentlemen, I don't want to be dead, though. Gentlemen. Miss Featherbaum, thank you for coming. Uh, thank you, Mr. Allen. You may be able to come back as a wild card, but mm, we'll for now, see. I'm afraid you're uh, you're finished. Uh, hopefully, everybody else will come back for the next episode of uh, Debatatorium 2007, where we will have two more uh, debaters and find out who goes up to the next round next. Thank you very much. My name is Frank Allen, and have a good night. Episode of Debatatorium featured the voice talents of Frank Allen, Charles Berman, Rob Glass, Michael Meckman, Lynn Nelson, Daniel Schwartz, Angela Tyman, and Jordan D. White. Well, that did sound pretty final. That did sound like it was settled once for all. So maybe that is a serious show. Maybe it does solve the world's problems. See? That's what I told you. In much the same way that my part of the show teaches people a moral lesson and educates them about alternate histories. Yes, that's fair, Frank. I, I think if one is true, then the other is true. <sighs> well, oh, fine. And in much the same way that Scapey Stories educates people about scariness and gives people scary morals. That's very true! How did you know that? That's very true. H- how did I know? Because I've listened to it? And I've heard you talk about it. Oh, well, yeah, it's true. Let's get right to it, because I'm, I'm really excited. Let's listen to Scapey Stories. Scapey Stories now. Scapey Stories. From a cat and a dog. 
Hello and welcome to Scapey Stories from a Cat in the Dark. My name is Jordan D. White and this is the show in which Scape, White, my cat, tells scary stories and it is quite amusing. Scape, would you like to say hello to everyone? Hello everybody. Um, I'm still a little bit hoarse, so I have to be careful how much I talk, but this is going to be a good story, okay? Sounds good. And listening to the story today is Dr. Nectori Stelloff. Hello, yes, it is good to be here on the show. I, I like to hear scary story because it will scare me, but perhaps actually it will inspire me to make new science, and I will find a way to eliminate the problem that is scaring me. That is how a lot of inventions are made, actually. Is it really? Uh, yes. Many of the things I have invented are because I am scared. For example, I am scared to die, and that is why I invented the ability to eat bananas and not swell up like blue. Uh, okay, whatever. But let me get to my story, okay? Oh, yes, please. Okay. This one is called Fingers of a Hand by H.D. Everett. So, like, once upon a time, okay? Oh, is this a time travel story? No, that's how you start a story, okay? Once upon a time, uh, I was a, I was a woman who was like an aunt. Uh, okay, no, I'm sorry. Is this a true story? You were a woman in real life? No, no, it's a story. But in the story, I, the person telling it, me, is a, is a woman. But you're an aunt, so is it like a queen aunt? No, like a... <laughs> Like an aunt. Like an aunt, okay? Oh, yes, okay. So I'm aunt. And I have a sister who's also an aunt. And we were watching the, our children, I mean, not our children, but our nephews and nieces, we were watching them. And there was like a house that we were staying in. It wasn't our house, I guess. But it was a house that we, we stayed in, so something. And we had, it was us and the kids and the servant and the servant's kid. And um, so there was nobody playing a trick on us. Oh, but I'm telling the story wrong. Oh, it, th- that's okay. I forgive. No, no, no. That's that's part of the story. Okay. Me saying I'm telling it wrong is part of the story. Oh. It's like a, it's like a stylistic. Oh, I'm telling the story wrong. Well, I better go in order. Okay, okay. Here we go. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Okay, so the child, the, the, our, our sibling was like, hey, watch our kids. And we were like, okay, me and, uh, me and Sarah, my sister. And we were like, okay, uh, we will take them to this house up on the, the, the cliffs and it'll be, uh, fun. It's like near the, the water, near the ocean and stuff. And it's pretty. And so they were like, okay, yeah, take the kids there. So we did. And for the first few days, uh, the kids were like, just going out and playing a lot. And it was like, oh, fun, fun. And uh, then, though, eventually it started to rain, okay? And it was raining a lot. And we were kind of like, oh, that's sort of a bummer, but whatever, we'll stay inside. Oh, yes, if you had a weather machine, that would definitely solve the problem. I have invented a weather machine. It is a machine. It has five buttons on it. One is for rain, one is for shine, one is for snow, one is for wind, and one is for purple. So you can make this guy purple, actually. But the entire machine is very affordable, only $5,000 million. But I have invented it, so I have only one so far. That does not help me at all. No, it would, because I'm saying you would have be able to stop rain. You can hit shine. Yeah, but, okay, the story has already happened. I mean, it's it's also fictional, but I'm telling it in the past. Look, forget it. It's raining, okay? There's no machine. They didn't have it. Maybe if they had it, none of this would have happened, but they didn't have it, so it rained a whole lot, okay? Okay. And so, what happened was, uh, well, my, my, my sister Sarah, she was, like, drawing stuff, because she likes to draw. She was sitting upstairs and drawing stuff. And I was sitting there in the room with her watching her draw stuff and 
And uh, she went out of the room, and I was like, oh, let me look at the papers. And I was looking through the papers of the stuff she drew, and there's one that was like, instead of drawing, it was like, go away. Get out of here. And I was like, what the? And it, that was not her handwriting. And so I was like, what's this? And so she came back in, and I was waiting there for her. And she came back in, and I was like, look at this. I wonder who did this. And she was like, I don't, I don't know. That's weird. Is that, our, is that the only one? And I was like, yeah, I looked through the whole stack, and it was all blank papers except the ones you drew on and this one. And she was like, really? And she looked, and all of a sudden, there was another one. She was like, no, look at this. Here's another one. And it was like, go, 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 go away. Get out of this place. Go. Okay. And she was like, you, mi yo, you missed this one. I was like, I didn't. I didn't miss it. It wasn't there. It wasn't in the stack before. So I didn't write it. I didn't, like, fall asleep and write it. So, so I don't know where, where it came from. And she was like, well, I don't know where it came from either. So, <laughs> good enough. So, whatever. We let it go. And so, uh, like, the next day, Sarah was uh, teaching the kids because I, I really wasn't too good at teaching the kids. Oh, I could have teached the kids stuff. I know lots about science. I could teach them lots of scientific things. No, it's not. It doesn't matter. Anyway, look, just listen. Okay. Just listen to the story. The point is, my sister Sarah was like, that she would be the one who would teach them their lessons. And sometimes the lessons would be about the Bible, okay? Ooh. Yeah, and she had, like, a Bible with pictures in it, and they would like, oh, I like to see pictures. But after the lessons that day, she was, like, looking at, and she, she picked up her Bible, and she was like, what the? Hey, somebody underlined in my Bible. And she, she really hates that. She, she, like, she would never let anybody write in her book. If so, she would write in somebody's book, and they would give it back, and they would be like, well, in it, she would be like, oh. So she was like, somebody underlined in my Bible. Give me a, give me an eraser. This is terrible. And I was like, what happened? And she looked, and it was like, uh, some Bible quote, right? But it was like, a Bible quote that, that means, go, get out of here. Okay. Oh, what was the quote? Uh, I, I don't know, but it was like some, it was like the gist of it, okay? Was like, go away, get out of here. It, but it was not about Jesus. No, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I never read the Bible. Well, I can see why she would have not you do the lessons, because if she read the Bible and you didn't. That's, but that's not the point. The point is, it was underlined, like, go away, get out of here, right? And she was like, who did this? And I was like, well, the kids wouldn't do it, and you were there, so you would have seen them do it, and, you know, the servant wouldn't do it, because she wouldn't, so. I don't, I don't know either. It's a mystery. And she was like, that's weird. And she flipped through the book for a second. She was like, there's more underlined parts. And one of them was like something that was a Bible quote that meant like, again, like, run away, get out. And then another one that, that meant something like, uh, this house is something. I Like a quote about a house. And, uh, like, it was going to be bad. Anyway, point is, she was like, who underlined? And I was like, I don't know who underlined. And she was like, well, uh, I don't know. So the next day, we were going to go out shopping, okay? And so I was like, I've got a plan, because it's some sort of mystery here, okay? I want to get to the bottom of this mystery. Oh, I have the perfect thing. No, you I can't. have a mystery device. What it is, is it is a thinking device that has lots of eyes and lots of ears and lots of reading ability and writing ability, and you put it in the middle of a place that has a mystery, and you turn it on, and it takes in all information and spits out solutions for all mysteries. It's a little dangerous to use, especially if you have any secrets, because it will probably tell all of your secrets, which is unfortunate. But it will solve all mysteries. And so as long as you know what you're looking 
for, you will probably be able to sort through the many, many pages of information that it gives you to find out what the answer to your mystery is. That's not what I... That's not what I did. Here's what I did. It probably won't be as efficient. It will, because it doesn't... Many, the story is already over in my head, okay? I know what happens. So you don't have to tell me about you could have done it. I, it's already... I already know what happens. So just listen. Okay. Okay, so I took like a piece of paper and a pencil and I put it on the counter. I was like, I'm going to leave this paper and this pencil out on the counter so that when we go out shopping, whoever's writing mysterious stuff can just write mysterious stuff and they can write it. Maybe they have the time to think about things and make it more clear. So it's not like pressure, like write as fast as you can. It's like, just go ahead, you know, consider what you want to say and uh, put it down. That's very thoughtful. Yeah, I thought so. So I did it. I put down a pencil and a paper and then I was like, okay, let's go shopping. And I was like, oh, wait, I forgot my purse. And so I ran back in the house and uh, when I saw the way the paper was, it was like a little black thing right away. I was like, what was that? What happened? And I looked at the paper and it was like, it started to write, but then it ran away. And I was like, well, crap, uh, I scared it. Well, I wonder if it would write anything when I leave. And it was like, no, it won't. Because you scared it off. Dumbass. And I guess, I'm, so I made a mistake. Oh, that's not good. No, but so, but so what I did was, I went, all right, later on, when, when my sister Sarah was going to take the kids for a walk, I was like, okay, I will stay here, all right? And this time, I will put the paper and a pencil, and I will sit here and just watch. I'll be over in the corner, kind of, not really hiding, hiding, but right, just, I'm going to be unobtrusive over there, okay? Shh, don't tell anybody. Bye. And the paper will sit there, and whatever can happen, happens, okay? And so, what happened was, uh, I was sitting there watching the paper and the pencil, and it's like something like a shadow or something, like a real shadowy thing, like the size of a rat. But is it a rat? I was like, oh, is that a rat? I don't think it's a rat because I would eat it, but... There's something, and it got to the pencil, okay, and it started to, like, become more substantive, okay, and, like, it grew, like, two fingers and a thumb, and it picked up the pencils, the pencil, and it, and it was, I was like, wow, two fingers and a thumb, and I went, well, I guess that's all you need to, to write something, um, and that's, so that's all it's making, but still, that's pretty weird, and it was, like, so this dark riddle, three fingers, it's like a claw, almost, right, and it's holding the pencil, and it starts going, writing, writing, you know, writing, writing, writing and I was like whoa oh, yeah, it's writing and I didn't this time I didn't get in the way but all of a sudden Sarah comes in she's like oh guess what guess what and it drops the pencil and I was like but she didn't notice she was like guess what I have good news uh it's really awesome guess get this now our friend called and our friend was like hey come over to our house and stay for a few days uh where things are even awesomer than in this house and um you can stay but and bring the children okay but we only have one room so only one of you can go and I was like okay really and I'm looking at the same time I'm looking at the paper which is like which is like danger this is dangerous go away children must go and so I was like yeah yeah go ahead tell you what you go with the children and I'll stay here okay and she was like hey, sir uh, you don't want to go and I was like no no go ahead go ahead go ahead it's very generous of you well yeah but uh, really I also wanted to know what was going on because paper was like children must go and I was like, okay, let's let the children go. Let's, let's see what happens. So the children left that day with my sister, Sarah. And the next day, I went to bed and I was like, I wonder what mysterious spooky things will go on. Huh, we'll see. And what, I'll tell you what happened. Okay, please tell me what happened. Well, I, I went to bed, okay, and went to sleep. 
Uh-huh. Okay. And when I woke, when I, I was woken up by, like, craziness. Like, my bed is, like, all of a sudden my head is, like, down low and my feet are up in the air. And I'm like, what is that? What? And, uh, like, pictures are falling off the walls and stuff is falling over and crashing, crashing. And people are going, roll, 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 roll. And I'm like, what's going on? Is this an earthquake? And I'm thinking it's got to be an earthquake. But, uh, I jump up. If you had my earthquake detector, you'd know if it was an earthquake. And if you had my earthquake deflector, you would be able to bounce earthquakes back across. No, no, listen, because it's not earthquake. You'll see. Spoiler. I'm like, what happened? And I try to get out, but the door is stuck. And there's like a crack in the wall. And I'm like, oh, crack in the wall. And, um, I look out the window and people are like, wow, what's going on? And you can see, like, stuff, stuff is all wrecked. People are like, oh, we see you. Don't move. We'll get a ladder and we'll get you down. And they got a ladder and they got me down. And what happened was, okay, well, yes. that the cliff we were on, the water, so much rain, okay, was like washing part of it away. And cliff fell and all the houses up on the cliff fell and cr- crumbled. Oh. And, and what happened was, I was okay. And the servant and the daughter wound up to be okay for the most part. But where the children were sleeping, like, everything fell and smushed, and if they were there, they would have died, okay? So whatever was writing was saved them. So when they explain how like, it all happened, they're like, yeah, because, oh, the water and da 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 But they didn't know ahead of time, but somebody knew, and it was whoever wrote that, and they saved those kids. That's, that's what happened. No, probably what happened. Actually, I think I know the explanation. Well, no, it's in the story. No, no, probably what happened was they had a futurometer, which told them what was going to happen in the future, and then they looked at it and said, all the children are going to die. Who's looking at it? Well, it, does, it is not clear who's looking in, but then they, they send words through an uh, automatic device. Perhaps I could invent a little machine that had three fingers and a, and a thumb. No, but it wasn't a machine. It was like it was like a spirit, okay? Are you sure? Well, it's... I mean, what else? It was like a shadow and a wreck formed. Well, it could have been a machine if you have a machine that exists in transubstantial form. I don't think that's the case. I think it was just a riddle, shadowy spirit thing. Okay, if that's what you believe in. <laughs> it makes perfect work. Let me get let me get to this part, okay? Okay. The scary moral, okay, of this story. You ready for this? Yes. Do what words tell you to do. Oh? Yeah. Because the words were written down, okay, and they saw them, and if you, right, I mean, it really only works if you know how to read. I don't know how to read, but if you know how to read and you read some words, do what they say, because they will save your life, or something like it. If the, if the, if I, the narrator, had left, I would have been okay, okay? And I was okay anyway, it turns out, but it was gross. So why risk it? Just do what the words tell you to do. But what if someone writes words that are not in your best interest? Why would somebody do that? Because, uh, I don't know, like, if you are always doing what words tell you to do, and then I would take w- words and say, uh, give Dr. Stilloff all your money, please, and then I give the words to you. What will you do? Well, uh, A, I don't read, okay? And B, I don't have any money, so there would be no difference. Yeah, but I read and I have money, and if, if I saw it, would I have to give him all my money? If he knows what's best, maybe he's right. But he didn't do it, so it's okay. Look, Dad, words know what's best. That's what the story shows us. Okay, Scape. Okay, Scape. I guess words know what's best. Words do. They do. Dad, think about this. Think about it this way, okay? Every one of my scary murderers, right, so far, have been words. So I'm like, do this, do this. If you listen to them, you will be okay. I suppose that's true. Dr. Stelleff, do you have any 
Final words? Well, it sounds like a good idea. And perhaps as a result, I will invent a word machine that actually uh, takes words and puts them together and forms them into things that you should do. Perhaps like a morality machine that tells people what to do, moralistically speaking, so that at all times they will have the ability to push the button on the machine and it will tell them which is the better thing for them to do. Wow, that sounds perfect. Well, there we go. So I will have to invent it and then you can give me some money for it. I don't have any money. Well, then you will not be able to do the right thing. Oh. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you for that idea, Dr. Self. We'll see if if we actually spend our money on something like that. Escape, do you want to say goodbye? Yes, uh, here we go. Okay. Hey, listen to what these words tell you and come back next time for more Escape Stories. <laughs> excellent, Escapey, excellent. Well, uh, like I said, I don't want to waste too much time because we are, this is our last really, really jam-packed episode. So let's get right to Decker and Hayes. This is the second to last episode of the second season. Things are starting to come to a head. Let's see if we can figure out what the heck is going on. Decker and Hayes, Season 2, Episode 10, The Reckoning, by Lynn Nelson. It was no surprise the parlor town was a pit of crime and despair, but between an old Russian war general and the CIA, parlor town was soon going to be on the map. As it turned out, Matthew Landsberg was neither the head of the CIA nor a mob gangster, but a rogue agent who wanted to take over General Smerdyakov's weapons operation for himself. Jason Drake was a legitimate agent determined to take down both Landsberg and Smerdyakov, and Macy had agreed to help him. Lexi, in the meantime, had set up a covert meeting with Johnny Vasquez, and was waiting on a corner across the street from Smerdyakov's warehouse. She didn't know that Stella had recently tortured and killed Vasquez. The crossing light said, Don't walk. A swarthy young man in a leather jacket stopped next to her. She checked him out from the corner of her eye, saw the bulge of a knife handle at his calf and spoke. Vasquez? Um, uh, yeah? I'm glad you decided to meet me. Um, uh, so, uh, so so what's this about? Well, the information that you can give us. It looks like you already know where the base is, so, um, what can I help you with? You're the closest person we know to Smerdyakov. I'm sure you have information that the CIA would be very interested in. At that moment, the light changed, and a few blades who were in the back of the group and unaware of this exchange grew impatient. Hey, Ricky, it says we can walk. What are we waiting for? Ricky? Uh, that's, that's a nickname, my gang name. Ah, screw it! Tasha! Tasha quickly maneuvered behind Lexi and wrapped her chain around Lexi's neck, pulling her down. Tasha moved out slowly from behind her, pulling her down on her back. Two of Mama's girls crowded around by her head, knives at the ready. Ricky sat on her chest, pressing either end of the chain into the sidewalk. Two girls sat on Lexi's legs, intently carving designs through Lexi's pantyhose into the surface of her skin, just drawing blood. Ricky got up in her face. I don't know who you are, Signora, but I know you're not on our side. You think this makes you a big man, little Ricky? No, but this probably will. Justine came at her with a very long rope, and that was the last thing Lexi saw before her world went black. Uptown, Stella barged into the lobby of her office, expecting to find her secretary, Tommy Potsdam, and weasel out of him whatever information about Macy's whereabouts or Lexi's existence she could. Instead, she found Paige, Macy, and the man she now knew as Agent Jason Drake huddled around Tommy's desk and a bloodstain on the carpet. Macy pushed her chair back and stood up in surprise and embarrassment. Stella? 
Who's Lexi? Oh no, how did you- It's probably best if you stay out of this page. I kind of hate you right now. You were at my apartment? I'm serious, Paige. What's going on? She found the recording. What? The last one I let you listen to. Oh. Oh. Macy, you shot a woman for kissing me, and then I find this? You shot a woman for kissing her? Shut up. Broads. Stella, you really should let me explain what's going on. You didn't even tell me you were out of jail. Why all this behind my back, Mace? We're... We're a team. I didn't mean to, Stell. Really, I didn't. I didn't know what I was doing. I'd expect such a pathetic excuse from anyone else, Macy. But not you. Where is she? We don't know. I'm going to find her with or without your help, Macy. Fine, Stella. Go ahead. If you really think that I would trash our relationship that way, and that I don't care at all about you, and that I don't deserve five minutes to tell you what's going on, go. This wasn't meant to be. If that's what you think of me, so go. And if you find Lexi, give her a swift kick in the stomach for me. What? You really should let me explain what's going on. Fine, but make it quick. I have a lot of things going on that you don't know about either, Macy. And a lot of stuff is about to go down tonight. Drake? Miss Decker? Wait, so what? Macy knows what's going on? You know what's going on? Drake here got to me before he found you. But now I assume he told you all about it. Well, enough. We've been going over the details of Smerdyakov's operation and trying to figure out the best way to... Stell, Stella, I'm sorry. Really, can you believe me for now that I would never, ever hurt you, not intentionally? We'll have time to talk this out later, but we have to act fast on this. I'll try, Macy, but I'm telling you, if I meet this Lexi, I don't know what I'm going to do. Scratch that. I know exactly what I'm going to do. Okay, fine. You do what you have to do. But for now, can you help us with this? Let's go to Mama's. Mama's? Mama Wang? Wow, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. The four of them headed to the door, and Paige and Stella exchanged awkward glances. I'm really sorry, Stella. Hey, it's why I pay you the big bucks. I'm sorry, too. You broke my computer, didn't you? A little. The four of them got into Drake's car and headed to Mama Wang's, followed by Julian McGinnis, who had had the good sense not to follow Stella all the way into her office. He hung around outside Mama Wang's and waited for a situation to present itself. Inside, Macy, Stella, Paige, and Drake found Mama, her girls, and an unconscious Lexi. Jeez, what now? Him again, and who are they? This is Macy, Mama. Oh, it's a pleasure to meet you, darling. And you, Ms. Wang. Everyone calls you Mama, dear. You're part of the family, too. So who's the broad? Her ID says Agent Alexis Grayson. Yeah, that's Lexi. Lexi, huh? Stella took a few quick strides over to where Lexi lay, unconscious, bound and gagged, and kicked her hard in the stomach. Stella! Don't you think you've done enough harm for a week or so, dear? What? You said you wanted me to give her a swift kick in the stomach for you. Well, I didn't mean it. almost it. takes the fun out of it when she can't defend herself. That was uncalled for. I don't think you have the right to be making that judgment, dear. Stella Decker! Anyway, what's the deal with her? We had her make a phony call to Landsberg telling him to meet her here for some urgent information. That's my girl. Remind me to hire you. He's on his way? He's reached his destination, actually. The stocky, snarling man was in the doorway of the building, holding Julian McGinnis around his neck and pushing him forward at gunpoint. I should have known this was a trap. Lexi's not a very good actress when she's too pressured. It's just too bad your attorney was stupid enough to get in my way. Jules, what on earth? It's okay, Stell. You think that's intimidating, Landsberg? Anyone can take a hostage. Here, how about this woman? 
She's an institution in Parlor Town. Do you really want to have her life in your hands? With one swift motion, Landsberg took his gun from behind Julian's back and answered Drake's question for him. He fired one shot that pierced her chest and threw her back against Agent Drake, who helped her fall to the floor as easily as possible. Mama! 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 Agent Drake pulled a gun and aimed it at Landsberg's head, and the two of them hung in limbo for a moment while Mama's girls knelt around her. Stella. Yes, Mama. You've always been good to an old whore. Oh, Mama! There's a box in the top drawer of my desk. The house is yours. Take care of my girls. No, Mama. Not like this. Aw, how sentimental. It's over, Landsberg. Give it up. We've recorded evidence of your activities here in Parlotown. I may not be able to prove that you planned on going rogue, taking over Shmirjikov's operation as your own. We have more than enough to discredit you in the agency. Give up while you're behind, man. Recorded material, huh? From this dame? Landsberg nudged the barrel of his gun toward Paige, whom Drake had subconsciously indicated while talking. Two shots were fired in rapid succession. Landsberg had loosened his grip on McGinnis in order to shift his energy and put a bullet right in between Paige's eyes. McGinnis crouched down to the floor and Drake fired into Landsberg's chest, landing him on the floor. He managed to wheeze out something like, You young bucks are so damn righteous! Before Drake fired another bullet into his head, silencing him forever. A thick sadness hung in the room for several minutes before Drake finally spoke. The longer we mope here, the longer Shmirjikov has to move his weapons. Hi, we're in mourning here. This woman was a mother to us. Show some respect. No, he's right. Let's get the jackass that brought all this pain into our house. Let's crucify him. The girls, though disheartened, pulled themselves together and let their anger drive them into the night. Macy and Stella hand in hand, Drake leading the way to the warehouse that Smerdikov used as a base of operations. They left behind only Julian, who sat by Paige's body, head hung low. Will the girls find Smerdikov? Does Smerdikov even truly exist? Will Stella and Macy be able to salvage their relationship? Tune in next week for the thrilling conclusion of Decker and Hayes. A special level of hell. In that episode of Decker and Hayes... The narrator was Daniel Schwartz, Stella Decker was Angela Tymon, Macy Hayes was Lynn Nelson, Julian McGuinness was Rich Bellin, Matthew Landsberg was Frank Allen, Lexi Grayson was Kate Slotwinski, Jason Drake was Elijah Weberhan, Paige was Magdalena Richards, Mama Wang was Tongwen Wong, Tasha was Guinevere Eckert, Ricky was Jacob Thompson, and Justine was Lisa Pantuso. The theme song was by Michael Temporary Card McCaskey. Thank you very much, Rory. And now, like I said, we're just jetting right through this. We're just jetting right through this. And guess what, folks? It's time for Listener Mail. Scape, you know what that means? It's time for you to sing us a song about this episode, preparing us for Listener Mail. Do, 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 do. Hey, girl. Did you write me some Listener Mail? Oh, yeah. I love you, girl. Do, 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 oh baby, you mean everything to me, so write me some reason in the oh please, just write me some mail, it's an email, it's an email, it doesn't even get your fingers covered in ink, no, 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 it's... Email, so just send it on to me at 
kathywax at gmail.com. Let's email for gmail. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Scape. That's not really a summary of the episode, but it was nice of you to do. Thank you very much. I mean, you're welcome. I mean, yeah. I know. Great. We do have one, only one piece of listener mail. For two weeks, we got one piece. Here it is, and it's for you, Scape. So, uh, Frank, why don't you read it to him? Dear Scape, I love Scapey stories. Your morals send chills down my spine, and I will forever be a little afraid now of A Christmas Carol. I was wondering if you could do The Girl with the Green Ribbon as a Scapey story. It's quite my favorite. Keep up the good, yet terrifying work. Yours, Scarlet. Oh, thank you, Scarlet. Um, yeah, Christmas Carol is pretty scary because of, uh, scary things in it, like ghosts and goblins. Ghost, especially, I think. It's, it's scary. Uh, sure, I would do that story. Well, Escape, you don't even... How, you're saying you do that story? You don't know that story? Uh, well, no, I don't. Can you get it? I don't know. Uh, Scarlet, it's nice of you to write in. I, who is this story by? It's not a story I'm familiar with right now. So, if anybody knows the story, The Girl with the Green Ribbon, and knows who it's by, and knows, especially if it's in the public domain, I will see about having Escape perform it. Uh, you can write to us at castandwax at gmail.com and let us know. But, other than that, it's time to, like, hit the road, Jax. Let's all say toodaloo, right? Uh, goodbye. Yes, goodbye. Yeah, uh, bye, daddies. Bye. All right. So uh, be back next week for a show that has probably just as much tonnage of content, but just a different arrangement thereof. We will all be seeing you. My personality was downloaded and backed up. Implants implanted so my reflexes are jacked up. Make sure to spring for a lifetime warranty. So parts and labor are free in case I ever start to act up. Packs full of isotopes run off with your power. And fuel injected running 60 miles an hour. With sonic generators under my skin. Destroying dirt from within so I don't ever have to shower. I feel revitalized. Performance optimized. Perfection realized. Upgrades will improvise. But now I'm stigmatized for being motorized. On Epic Echoes, Sir William Alfred Wickersham, 14th Lord Duke of Blackmore, formerly known as the Great North Sea Continent of Britain, pops a question. Sarah Keen, I am but a humble man, simple of heart and pure of spirit, but I dare to ask against all odds if such a graciously distinguished lady as yourself would deign to marry such as I. And on Tractor Fiction, we explore child endangerment. I'm Charlton Heston, and in addition to being an actor, I'm also a paramedic. You're here to say that I'm sorry, we lost the child. My guns! Oh, this plus a scary story <laughs> for you. Coming on March 9th to waxwork.com. Don't 
that's a website.